Hey everybody, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. This week we have James Urbaniak talking about The Odd Couple Sings uh, at the end of the last, um, uh, the live episode that we did with James Urbaniak and Dave Higgins. Um, he brought this one up and said he wanted to come back and talk about it. So we did, and it's awesome because uh, we get to talk about the album a bit, but we also get to talk about Tony Randall, who's one of uh, James's heroes. Um, Make sure you follow him at James Urbaniak and listen to his awesome podcast, Getting On with James Urbaniak. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Um, obviously, subscribe on iTunes, do all that good stuff, and uh, rate us highly. Leave a comment. Oh, also, please go to um, change.org and search for my name, Jason Klom, K-L-A-M-M, or just go to uh, Vice Presidents, being number two in the White House, on Facebook, uh, we have a petition to get myself and my buddy Matt Sachs uh, involved in some way in the vice presidential debates in October. Okay, it's in Kentucky, uh, and we're not that's really important information, but we really want to go. We're both vice presidential experts, have been for several years now, and uh, we just want to help make the vice presidential debate something a little more interesting uh, by bringing in two guys with a perspective, two guys who have studied the office. Uh, to sort of, even if we just get to ask one question, we'd like to be involved. So if you would, go to change.org and sign that petition. It would help us greatly. Thank you. Come here. Come on over to the piano. Oh, get off my I just want to show you something. Now, show me what? I'm going to teach you a simple scale. It's very simple. simple. I don't know anything about All right, music. now just listen. Yeah. Sing after me. La. La. No. La. 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 Johnny One Note sang out with gusto and just overlorded the play. Poor Johnny One Note yelled willy-nilly until he was blue in the face. For holding one note was his aim. Couldn't hear the brass, couldn't hear the drum. He was in a class by himself by gum. All right, uh-huh. hey everybody. Uh, this week, welcome to Comedy on Vinyl. Uh, this week, I have James Urbaniak back on the show. Thank you for being here. Of Thank you for having me. Um, we're talking about The Odd Couple Sings, which at the end of the last podcast, a live episode we did, you know, the highly successful live episode we did, you you brought that one up, and I had never heard of it. Yeah, you were asking me about other comedy albums that mm-hmm. I was fond of, and uh, I just thought of that one instantly. Um, I think a few years ago, I heard... A track from this album, uh-huh. which is their cover of Carly Simon's "You're So Vain," <laughs> on the internet. I think I heard it on like April Winchell's site, oh, or, okay. you know, one of those sites that she she has a lot of weird, mm-hmm. you know, music and stuff. MP3s right. on her site, and uh, I just fell apart. I remember <laughs> hearing Tony Randall and Jack Klugman doing this bizarre cover of "You're So Vain," and I just. Fell down laughing, and then I listened to it repeatedly. Uh-huh. Like I probably played it five times in a row that first listening. I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. yeah. And my wife is walking by. She's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I this is the great. It was like the Sergeant Pepper of comedy of novelty <laughs> song tracks. It was mind blowing to me." Yeah. So then uh, I. And then I read on the site that it was a track from an album called The Odd Couple Sings from the 
period in like the 60s and early 70s, into the 70s, where it seemed there was a law that stars of TV shows had to make musical records. Yeah, yeah. Carol O'Connor did one. Henry Winkler did one. And, you know, we, we've we heard many of these camp classics. But I, I hadn't been familiar with this one. Yeah. And then uh, I think my wife sought it out for me. I think she found it on eBay and surprised me with a vinyl copy, <laughs> which I treasure. And um, that is how I discovered the record. And I, I must say, the it's very entertaining. Nothing really compares to the Your So Vain cover. Right, right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but uh, it's a uh, amusing collection of covers, mm -hmm. the aforementioned Carly Simon, yeah. there's a couple Cole Porter covers, uh -huh. uh, there are some, what I assume are just old novelty songs, there's a song right. called When Banana Peels Are, <laughs> are Falling, I'll Come Sliding Back to You, uh. which is either an old novelty song or just a fake one that they right. wrote for the album. There's, there's an extended set piece that's an original piece mm -hmm. called The Odd Couple Opera. I was wondering about that. Where uh, uh, they play the characters of Oscar and Felix, and it's a sort of little odd couple scenario all sung a la opera. And, of course, Tony Randall can sing sure. in a sort of... He sings sort of like I would sing, uh, in a kind of crisp character actor, you know, technically competent. Sure. Uh, he has... He can carry a tune nicely and mm -hmm. has a pleasant quality. And In this very sort of Tony Randall way, you know. <laughs> he is one of my heroes. Yeah. And the Jack Lugman can't sing a note. No. And the first track on the album is a song called Johnny One Note. Oh, God. Uh, where uh, they just kind of, at the outset, sort of, they establish the fact that Jack Klugman can sing. And so uh, Johnny One Note is a little novelty song in which Johnny One Note is this character who can only sing one note. And it's just Tony Randall singing and Jack Klugman going, ah. Uh. <laughs> and they just sort of establish that at the outset, like, look, he can't sing. We're just having fun here. Mm-hmm. Tony loves singing, obviously. Right. And it works. Uh, it's very charming. I'd uh -huh. say it's probably one of the better uh, of those uh, TV star musical albums. Yeah, of I that mean, at least it era. admits what it is. It knows what it is from the, yeah. the get-go. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 uh, I don't know where the, the, the opera bit comes from, though, and I'd like to see it re-performed. I was picturing it in my head, performed by you and Paul F. Tompkins. I would love to see that. Oh, happen. to do... Uh... The opera. I would just kill, kill for that. Well, that's interesting. I would sort of be more partial to covering the Year So Vain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly the way they do it, yeah, which, yeah, of yeah. course, they do the classic... Uh, the, the comedy thing where uh, Jack starts singing it yeah. in his atonal voice. You had me nearly a year ago when I was so quite naive. And then what happens is Tony just sort of chimes in mm -hmm. and says things like, What are you talking about? What? Cream in your clouds and your coffee? Just sort of... That kind of thing. And then they have a female chorus who came in. Mm -hmm. You're so vain. And Tony says, who are those people? And it was that stuff that really made me lose it. You're laughing now, just me imitating it. Mm -hmm. And then later on, the chorus comes back. He goes, there are those girls again. And uh, he just kind of editorializes mm -hmm. on the song while Jack non-sings it. And uh, it's... Terribly simple, but yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Is uh, so? How long has what first made Tony Randall a hero of yours? Then, 
Gosh, well, like, you know, I first became aware of him on The Odd Couple when I was a kid in the mm. 70s. And uh, I always loved him on that. And then it was later, as a young adult, that I started seeing his early film work, mm -hmm. like his films of the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. uh, Will Success Spoil, Rock Hunter, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Rock Hudson, Doris Day movies that he's in, like right. Lover Come Back. And he's really brilliant in those. Uh -huh. uh, he's the Brando of comedy. And yeah. I, I'm not joking when I say that. His acting... He's a great actor. Sure. He's a comic actor, mm -hmm. but he's a great actor. It's all comedic, but if you break it down, it's just great acting. It's incredibly sp specific. Mm -hmm. It's very spontaneous and, frankly, has an element of danger in the 50s and 60s. It's just a kind of unpredictable energy that yeah. he has and a really... Uh, a really wonderful energy, which he's always always had, mm -hmm. and uh, and this just very specific, very amusing sort of persona, whatever that persona is that he has. I mean, he's yeah. a Jewish guy from Oklahoma. He's got this weird background, yeah. And then he kind of talks like a sort of theatrical upper crust wasp type guy, yeah. you know. But uh, he's just great. I just, I really, I, if anyone hasn't seen like his movies and like his film work pre Odd Couple, yeah. I highly recommend it. He's really funny, and really, really uh, inspiring to me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just love him. And then Jack Klugman, I always sort of was like, whatever, Jack Klugman, you know, Quincy. Mm -hmm. And then I remember a few years ago seeing um, Twelve Angry Men, yeah. Sidney Lumet's first film, which has a really great cast. All these great people from the timer and you know Egg. Begley Sr., E.G. Yeah. Marshall, uh, uh, Henry Fonda, uh, and um, Jack Klugman is in that as one of the jury members, uh, the sort of working class guy uh, who talks, you know, who kind of talks about his experiences with uh, dangerous situations. You know, it's about this stabbing incident or something. Right. And he's really, really good yeah. in it. Like, he's he's really nuanced and interesting. He rings true. You really believe him. And it's... it's it, it He didn't really choose or have the opportunity to do things like that. He tended to just work in a more lighter... <laughs> right. ...surfacey vein, shall yeah. I say, on TV. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a different acting vocabulary. He sort of was using on TV. Whereas, like, Tony Randall was always sort of using the same acting vocabulary that he made, did, you know. Yeah. It's a very sort of... <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful energy, and... and um, but uh, they're just so likable. And I, I actually, near the uh, end of their careers, I mean, Tony died, and Jack doesn't really act much anymore. And, of course, Jack Klugman got, like, throat cancer or yeah. something. And, yeah, yeah. And after he'd gotten the cancer, he they were in a, a Broadway revival of The Sunshine Boys by Neil Simon. Oh, that's right. This is probably in the early 2000s, probably mm -hmm. circa 2000, something uh, like that. And I went to see it. Oh. And uh, it was a so-so production, but okay. it was really great to see them up there. And they're just such beloved figures. Yeah. Like, they could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, Jack, it was like they, they were mic'd and, and, you know, Jack Lugman was really... He always had a raspy voice, sure. but now it's like... It was like that. And yeah. So, like, a big part of the color of his performance was missing just sure. because his, he was vocally limited. Yeah. But uh, The Odd Couple Sings. <laughs> Something happier than that. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so, then, easily, your favorite track is, is You're So Vain. Hands down. Hands down. Um, 
I would pay good money to see that recreated, though. That would be good. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Well, we can fly that up the flagpole. I think you should. I think you should. Um, I'm right. not sure who would be who, because Paul and I are both sort of Feluxes. I know. I know. But uh, my, my first thought, given your voice, was Tony Randall. <coughs> I would want to be Tony Randall. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you have to fight for it? And then, uh, no, I think Tompkins would do uh, Klugman, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, I'll pitch that. I think you should. How do you like my new scarf? What color is that? Apricot, of course. Why, of course, apricot. Because it goes with my eyes. Very, very few people can wear apricot. Can I borrow it sometime? No, I'm sorry, you may not. Why not? Because I just told you. I'm the only one who can wear apricot. You walked into the party Like you were walking onto a yacht What? Your hat strategically dipped below one eye your scarf it was apricot Yes, apricot You had one eye in the mirror As you watched yourself gavot Gavot And all the girls dreamed that they'd be your partner They'd be your partner And you're so vain What are you saying? What are you talking You'll about? You'll probably think the song is about you You're so vain you think the song is about you? I don't know. Junction. I don't know. Junction. I think you're going crazy. So, do you do you pick this up every once in a while? Do you just have the MP3 just there? I to to? haven't listened to the record probably since I got it, okay. but I have listened to the uh, a couple times online. I've posted the MP3 of your survey, and mm-hmm. like I posted it on Twitter. Uh, a um, Gosh, a couple of years ago, and I remember uh, <laughs> James Gunn, mm-hmm. the screenwriter and director, who was an old friend of mine from New York, mm-hmm. uh, heard it, and you know he's in. He loves the outre, the bizarre, mm-hmm. and he retweeted it and wrote some all caps thing like "This is amazing" or <laughs> "What the hell is this?" <laughs> or "Unfucking believable," or which you know it is. Sure. So now and then I've thrown that one on the internet just because I want people to be aware of it. <laughs> Do you find yourself hunting down novelty albums ever? I haven't really uh, bought any in a while. I used to buy a lot of comedy albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big fan of. Uh, have you? Has anyone on the show done Dickie Goodman? No. The the master of the break-in record. No. Do you know who Dickie Goodman I was? No. Dickie don't. Goodman was a guy who made uh, these comedy records starting in the fifties through the seventies. He did one uh, about Jaws that were called break-in records, where you would take pop songs of the day oh, yeah. and cut them into little sketches. Mm-hmm. So he'd say, uh, uh, you know, Mr. Jaws. What do you have to say to Sheriff Bodie? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Mr. Jaws! <laughs> God, yes. And, and uh, other people have made these records. Mm-hmm. Uh, Albert Brooks kind of had fun of it, fun with those on um, A Star Is Bought, too. He does a whole bit like that. Oh, he does a breaking record he, parody? He pro- right. Yes, but like his own songs that just work right. perfectly <laughs> to it. Like, brilliantly produced. <laughs> right. So, I had the Mr. Jaws record, uh, which was an LP that came out... In like '75, when uh-huh. Jaws came out, and it had Mr. Jaws got a lot of play on on on, ra- on the radio, uh-huh. and then uh, I loved it, and it also had a bunch of his old ones, like there was one about flying saucers landing, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, what will you do if you see the flag saucer? I'll just take a walk down Lonely Street. Or something like you know, Elvis. <laughs> oh I can't even remember what the setup was. Yeah. Uh, and then I heard, I heard uh, Mr. Jaws like a couple years ago, mm -hmm. and with all due respect to Dickie Goodman, it just didn't land the same way it did. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. And he's got a wonderful kind of wooden delivery mm -hmm. and a sort of vaguely East Coast, Mr. Jaws, what did you say? You know, every, everything is just kind of shouted. Uh, <laughs> that was a case where an, a comedy record uh, from my youth, which mm -hmm. I loved, was kind of not holding up anymore. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I could go on and on. Yeah. Martin Mull, I, I had, Martin Mull made a series of wonderful albums, yeah. and I had them all. Awesome. Has anyone done that on this? No, actually. Yeah. I've All been right, future. To. I've been wanting to. Future. Have you, uh, I'm everyone I've ever loved. Yes. No hits, four errors, the best of Martin Mull. I think that's um, the one that I have. The yeah. other ones I keep wanting to buy just because Perfect. the covers are Apple beautiful. Cold. Perfect, yes. Uh, yeah, they're great. Um, but uh, but back to the subject at hand. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I... I I, I'm trying to think of how, how we turn it back. It, it's hard with a novelty record because it's not... It's obviously produced for fun. Some of them were... Like, I've got... We, we did this. We did Zero Mustel sing songs my mother never sang. All right. That sounds good. It, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's another album where he knows. He knows that he's just Zero Mustel and he's getting to fuck around and he's getting a paycheck. But it's... Well, he, he is, of course, a... Uh, he's well known as a musical comedy performer. Sure. Which is for not sure. what... Tony Randall, even though he's, you know, mm -hmm. he can carry a tune in a jolly way, he wasn't known as a musical comedy uh, performer. Sure. It's just so weird if you listen to this album, it's just him screaming and bellowing and not even singing at his best. He, he well, hadn't. he was famous for just doing what he wanted on stage. Mm -hmm. Like there were the people who made Fiddler on the Roof tell stories about him just, you know, going off book and, mm -hmm. and improvising. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was a force of nature yeah. and, and brilliant. Part of that was like, you know, people are here to see me, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or listen to me. These these albums are, are sort of like when any actor, well-known actor, would goes on to Funny or Die now and does a video that maybe is unexpected, like when people didn't quite realize that John Hamm was a funny person and he came out and did anything yeah, funny, you know. That's true. Um, that's sort of an outlet for celebrities to do comedy things where yeah. you didn't have as many. I mean, you'd have like someone would do a sketch on a be a guest on the Cal Burnett sure, show or something. Sure. Uh, you don't. You don't. I would like to see more singing, though, because I, I, I feel like actors yeah. that we that are becoming famous and becoming stars, with a, a bunch of exceptions, I'm sure, don't have maybe a musical background or even a theater background. Right. You know, so they're not built to to do that. To Ryan that. Gosling, songs for lovers only. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's sort of. <laughs> uh, Jackie Gleason uh, didn't sing, but he conducted an orchestra, and my yes. parents had. A Jackie Gleason orchestra album, which was not a comedy album. It was just sort of romantic music with strings yeah. that he apparently conducted. He it's so weird to me. Really weird. Like the these <laughs> the celebrity conductor. Mm -hmm. We're just taking his word for it yeah, 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 that yeah. he was conducting it or arranging it. <laughs> right. Like, right. <laughs> he's got his name up there. You don't hear him. Right. <coughs> just as weird with you know it, it's that is as strange as like a spoken word album i'm trying to think, oh what was this i haven't bought it yet oh god what is there's a john wayne spoken word album out there called america why i love her oh it's very expensive uh it's hard to actually get your hands on but I, i've got some of the tracks somewhere but it's just him pontificating on why america's great and why you should serve even though the man never served himself. there are some other albums uh 
I'm a real actor freak, and so there are these. Uh, many decades ago, there was a thing where Broadway, straight Broadway plays, not musicals, mm-hmm. but straight plays would record a cast album. Huh. So of course you'd have the musical albums, sure, uh, with the songs from a show. Mm-hmm. But there was a thing where they would do studio recordings of Broadway shows. Uh, um, why have I never heard it? And uh, I've got a f- I've got a handful of them. There's like a long day's journey into night. I forget who's in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Guinness, who's another one of my heroes, mm-hmm. was in a uh, a play about Dylan Thomas in the something like the early '60s okay. or something called Dylan. Mm-hmm. And there's an album of that which they recorded in a studio. It's just them doing the play. And That's so weird. Th- that was a that was a very popular thing. Just, but it's standalone. No, no sound, no effects, right? Just in talk. I think there are probably effects. It's okay. sort of produced like a radio okay. play. Okay, okay, all right. So they put sounds in, but it would be the original cast mm-hmm. doing basically their performances, but in a recording studio. Huh. And uh, that was that was a popular thing, and I'm interested in that because I just I'm I love all aspects of showbiz history, mm-hmm. and it's a great document of something that you know. You get a little. You, you get to listen to performances by actors uh, who are like Guinness, mm-hmm. you know, from film. But then these are extra. Charles Lawton, another one of my heroes, mm-hmm. made a, a few albums. He he used to read poetry mm-hmm. <laughs> and recite things. And I've got I've got one of those. Uh, I know another uh, guy who's got great comedy albums is Peter Sellers. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which are really remarkable. And I don't have any of those either. But oh, those are great. There was, there's a box set of uh, all of them Really, that came out a few years ago that I, I have them all on CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know his um, uh, She Loves You bit. So I mean, she I've Loves You bit is, is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And even before then, like in the 50s, pre-Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, George Martin was producing Peter Sellers' comedy albums. That I didn't know. Like, George Martin was an old hand at comedy producing, which you can actually get a sense of, even if, like, Sgt. Pepper and the Beatles, that just the sort of detail and depth and Mm -hmm. originality is sort of... (laughs) You can actually look at the Peter Sellers' albums and go, oh, there's a parallel there. Right. And John Lennon, of course, loved comedy, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they all, they all loved comedy, and... So yeah, yeah. The early, the like the fifties Peter Sellers albums are like produced by George Martin. That's so weird. I didn't know that. I mean, it takes a certain skill to really like. The he was mind- already an experienced like middle aged guy when he worked with the Beatles, so yeah. he'd already been working, doing this stuff. Yeah. Huh. I, you don't because most comedy albums now are stand up albums. You don't really have anybody getting to experiment with that kind of thing, which is something I talk. I, you know, again, I don't like yeah. to. Uh, I don't like to talk, you know, be too uh, just nostalgic on, on this show. But, you know, I do miss that. A good sketch album, well-produced sketch album. Yeah. And I don't see it happen that often. Yeah, there's not as much anymore. There's a few. Didn't Norm MacDonald made a sketch album a yeah. couple of years yeah. ago? You know, buddy, hmm? we've had our ups and downs. Mm-hmm. We had our fights and our arguments, but we've always snapped back. And I have figured out why. Why? Look, there is a battleship... Mm-hmm. There is a sailing ship, but the most important ship is friendship. If you're ever in a jam, here I am. If you're ever in a mess, S.O.S. If you ever feel so happy you land in jail, I'm your bail. It's friendship, friendship. Just a perfect blend ship When other friendships have been forgot 
hours will still be hot. La 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 Take it, baby. Like but there are like uh, you know there are great podcasts like Super Ego, sure. which is all sketches, mm-hmm. which are brilliantly done, right. improvised and then meticulously edited. Yeah. So you've got the best of both of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got the uh, the unpredictable spontaneity of improv with the uh, meticulous structure of a written sketch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of written in editing. Yeah. I, I did, I, I I did love one of those. Thrilling Adventure Hour. I love listening to that. Oh, thanks. It's Thrilling Adventure. And can I do a personal plug? Oh yeah, please, <laughs> please. No, if you're bring it's up thematic. It's thematically related. Yeah. I have started a podcast uh, called Getting On with James Urbaniak. And it's great. Oh, thank you. You I heard the first yeah, episode? Yeah, yeah. Um, it is basically, at this point, it's just a monthly short-form thing. The episodes run about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's basically radio drama. Uh, it, e- each episode is essentially a, a monologue by a character named James Urbaniak, played by me. <laughs> but he's not necessarily me. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting various writer friends to write each episode. So each episode is by a different writer. And what I'm saying to all my writer friends is the only rule is the character is James Urbaniak and he is recording a podcast for people to hear. But what he's talking about, <laughs> where he's going off, you know, to mm-hmm. who he is. He could be an actor in L.A. He could be a forest ranger in Alaska for all I care. Right. It's up to you. It's just his name is James Urbaniak. He sounds like me. But he could be anybody. And he could even, he doesn't even have to be sedentary. He could put his tape recorder on his shoulder. Yeah. Like in the first one, I'm walking around the house. I go to the refrigerator. Right. But I've, I've got different, uh, the uh, first episode, uh, which as of this recording is the only one that's up. The, well, the next episode will be up on September 29th. Okay. I'm sort of looking at like the 29th of each month is when I post them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first episode is written by uh, a woman named Ann Washburn, who's a great old friend of mine and a wonderful playwright who's based in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got the next one is by a friend of mine, a writer in L.A., a wonder, very talented young woman named Bree Williams. And then I've also got uh, Todd Alcott, who's a great old screenwriter, playwright guy, and a guy named Andy Bragan out of New York is writing one. Uh-huh. So I've got all these exciting people, really talented people doing them, and they're all sort of up for the fun of the project. Yeah. And it's just sort of old-fashioned radio drama, but I'm just producing it myself at home. That's awesome. And uh, it's just sort of something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just thinking about doing a podcast and thinking, well, what would I want to do? And you know, like that's different than just discussing pop culture with right. a, with a woman, <laughs> which I enjoy those podcasts sure, where a guy and girl talk about pop culture. Right. But I I I just thought I was having lunch with my friend Bree, the writer, and we just kind of came up with this idea together mm-hmm. to do a kind of its subtitle is a fictional podcast. Right. So, but it is in that sort of tradition of like audio comedy. I mean, it's basically yeah. humorous, though it. it some of the, some of the stuff is actually gets a little darker, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. So that's just been really fun, and and it, it's there's a you know there's a Libsyn site that's just this sort of podcasting service. Yeah. Uh, so there's a URL called gettingonwithju.libsyn.com, and you can also find it on iTunes. Just look for Getting On with James Rubaniak, and uh, yes. I mean, that's that's the other thing is like I I do sometimes kind of whine about not enough comedy albums, but honestly, there are plenty of podcasts out there trying different things. And uh, yeah, and there's wonderful stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are these prolonged sketches on uh, um, you know Scott Ackerman and uh, yeah, 
all yeah. those guys. <laughs> yes. Paul again. Always should, Paul's on every oh comedy podcast. God. I know. It's, it's ins- I did not know because he's a guy who I just knew was a stand-up until I started listening to podcasts and then knowing just the characters that he can yeah what i just yeah <laughs> i didn't expect that out of him ever because I, I again i'm not in the community but it kind of blows my mind a little bit yeah he's he's pretty brilliant and a real mensch yes proud to call him a friend <laughs> <laughs> i uh so yeah, i was actually really hoping the other night when i went to the thrilling adventure hour for the first time that you might oh yeah that was actually a rare one that i couldn't make yeah i'm i'm in it i'm Always in it, but occasionally I haven't been able to do it, and that was one of those rare evenings mm-hmm. when I couldn't. And then, I don't know when you're posting this, but we're going to be in New York at the end of September. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, it's going to go up this week. So, yeah, so. But on September 30th, we're going to do Thrilling Adventure at Bell House, the space in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which, uh, two shows, uh, both of which are sold out. That's uh, Like a 7.30 and a 9.30, though I'm sure there's like a standby or a waiting list thing if people are in the New York area and want to try to go. How how late do they post those after they record them? How long do they wait? It, oh, it really varies That's because they they've we've been the thrilling adventure hour started. Well, it, we've been doing it at, at M Bar in L A. Uh-huh. And then about two years ago, we moved to Largo. Uh-huh. And then since moving to Largo, they started recording the shows. But each live show will have like three main uh, pieces in it. Yeah. Whereas the podcast is just one piece, right? That right. you know, so that's also kind of a shorter thing. Mm-hmm. Though it's like, uh, you know, they're posting them weekly, I think. So, mm-hmm. but so they just have this very big back catalog of stuff. Yeah. So I don't think it's necessarily posted chronologically. Okay. It's just sort of posted, just what they feel would work week to week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's really gotten a nice following mm-hmm. via. The podcasting, like there's a national awareness to it. Sure. And uh, you know the uh, the uh, the Jet Propulsion Labs guy when they set up the Mar- the new Mars yeah. uh, rover, the guy with the mohawk. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? I can't it's remember. It's like Babak, or it's yes. like Barack, but it's not. Right. But it's something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he we just call him Mohawk guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was interviewed in the New York Times. They did like one of those one page Q and A's that they do in their magazine. And they're just asking, he's a young guy, they're like, so what music do you like? And what podcasts do you listen to? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I listen to uh, Nerdist, and uh, I like the Thrilling Adventure Hour. That's awesome. <laughs> so we were all very excited. That's so good. That Mohawk guy, <laughs> the thinking girl's heartthrob. Right. And guys, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, 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 gave us a shout out. I just took a picture in my oh. pocket. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Okay keeping that out of my pocket <clears throat> pocket picture mm-hmm. have, did you ever have the opportunity to meet tony randall did you ever get no, no. sadly i didn't no. and, and uh, i did see that play but i didn't linger at the stage door yeah and uh um yeah my wife actually once years ago before he died wrote him a letter mm-hmm. telling him that i was such a fan of his and and uh but we didn't hear back, and um, I don't know if it even got to him. It was like through a representation or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that is sort of you know I, I, one of the great pleasures of being an actor is meeting old pros, people right. I admire. Right. And that is one I would have loved to have met, but it didn't happen. But uh, we've got all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to watch and, and, and listen, listen to. to. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. I'm trying to think. This is like I said. The the novelty ones are are, are odd. Are, are mm, weird. 
to discuss. I, you know, actually, Friendship is one of my favorite songs of all time. Just yeah. Because, uh, but I didn't hear it in the. I didn't hear it in uh, what's it from originally? Is it from Anything Goes originally? I want to say it's from Anything Goes. That sounds right. That's um, another Cole Porter. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they do like three Cole Porters on there. Uh, that's very charming, and you know what? You really get a sense of his genuine sense of friendship, and yeah. a real sense of the two of them, who have such distinct personalities as mm-hmm. performers, really enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a little peripheral improvisational thing, like they're always... <laughs> Obviously, Randall's just improvising during the year of Vain, where it's like, what are yeah. you talking about? And then Klugman, a lot of them, is saying, what do you mean? What are you... What are you saying? Uh, and they're, they have this wonderful, uh, uh, you know, fake rivalry on there. Mm-hmm. But uh, you can tell they're just really enjoying each other's energy. Mm-hmm. And that really comes across. Like, that's such a big part of their comedy, too, is just... That's part of what gives the album a lot of charm, is that you really do get a sense that they're just enjoying themselves and enjoying each other. And it's just a trifle. But it's. Right. I'm always thinking is like, like, who buys this and listens to it? Like, you don't put this on regularly, like right. you would a great musical album. Mm-hmm. I assume it's a party album. Is that? I guess so. I was really thinking that album. today as I was coming over here. Like, who bought this? <laughs> and when did they play it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it only resonates now with the idea that this was once made as a mistake. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I guess this thing with all comedy albums, like they're, they're not. I guess they could be group things if yeah. you have a. I always listen to them by myself yeah. or occasionally like with a friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember going to my friend Dan Dickles's house mm-hmm. when I was in high school, or even junior high, and listening to George Carlin, sure, uh, Robin Williams' first album, yeah. which love him or hate him, yeah. that was uh, that's a great record. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, that that I listen to that constantly. Mm-hmm. Had a great day. Sure, first day of spring, and I'll bet you went to the races, didn't you? Oh, knock it! I won eleven dollars. Really? Yeah. How much did it cost to get out there? Seven dollars. And seven dollars back, I suppose. Seven, yes. And how much to get in? Three. Seven and seven is fourteen. Plus three is seventeen. And you won eleven. You lost six dollars. You just ruined this day for me. Thanks a lot. Two and two are four, four and four are eight, that's all you have on your business like mine. Two and two are four, four and four are eight, how can It's called Reality What a Concept, oh, right. yes, and it's yes, his yes, first right. album. Yeah. Uh, it's post-Mork, because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he addresses Mork in the, in the album. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, and there's something about, like, uh, I think we've touched on this when we did the Monty Python episode, uh-huh. but that my gen- I'm, I'm going to be 49 tomorrow, as mm-hmm. of this recording. <laughs> so, um just a lot of these albums it was sort of like finding out about them and then going to the store and buying them and sure. it was a whole 
process rather than just clicking a button. Right. And right. suddenly having this digital thing that you couldn't hold in your hand. Yeah. Well, there, there was something to be. I mean, I'm totally pro progress in technology. Of course. But if you experience that, there is something uh, kind of wonderful about hearing about these comedy albums mm-hmm. and then and then having to go find them. Yeah. And and listen to them and that wonderful old <laughs> thing of mm-hmm. when you put the needle on the thing and the record starts. But I'm getting real old fogey. Old <laughs> guy old guy thing. being sentimental about records. But that's what I do. I mean, like, I'm, I'm reliving it through people on here. They're telling me, have you ever heard this album? This meant a lot to me. I'm like, no, I'll go find it. Yeah, and yeah. Now I have to hunt it down. And that's, for me, exciting. I, I like things that are rare, under, underappreciated. Or That's why I also study the vice presidency for no apparent reason. That's why there's a special <laughs> bumper sticker up here. Because ah. uh, it's, it's a weird thing that people don't appreciate. But it's important. That's why. I what about running people. mates who ne- weren't elected? Like Lodge ran with Nixon. See, there are a lot uh, of guys that I, yeah, <laughs> I should know more about them too. But I, I, I for at first I was like, maybe I should be more interested in those guys. Because they're the bigger losers than the guys who actually right. became VP. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's kind of what some of these, that's like what this comedy album is. <laughs> but I, I listened to this again this morning, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, like, even just hearing Tony Randall just dick around on this thing, yeah, just be a goofball, is inspiring, because it's, it, his energy and his, uh, he just goes for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he commits. Yeah. He really commits, even to a, uh, a silly thing like this, and, uh. And his joy in committing translates, and uh, it's really great. He he, uh, he really is. Uh, I I think you could. S- I mean, I think you could say he's underrated. Yeah, oh, in the yeah, sense absolutely. that people. I mean, he was a much beloved comic actor, and I sure. think of a you know a much beloved sort of TV comedian. But he really is a, an extraordinary performer, and it's so effortless that yeah. you don't think about it, you know. But it's a classic thing of like, like you know, comedy films tend not to win Oscars, and that, right. you know, the technique of comedy acting and and is uh, as equal a technique to dramatic acting. Sure, but it's 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 not given the same sort of <laughs> ostensible respect that, because that, of the way it's supposed to make you feel. I guess I yeah. don't know, or people who don't just don't. Uh, yeah, another guy who actually uh, is very similar to Tony Randall, mm-hmm. uh, I think, is Gene Wilder. Yes. Who, just in terms of a really wonderful actor mm-hmm. who is a comic actor, yes. those are the roles he plays. Mm-hmm. But it, again, you just take it apart technically, it's all about beat to beat and being incredibly specific. Yeah. And also has this unpredictable energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, an intensity, an intensity that we, you know, uh, you can compare to the intensity of, like, the great actor studio actors, right, or Sean right. Penn, or and James I mean, Dean, or Marlon Brando. Actor. Like, yeah, that he was. You know? And just because he looked and had a certain personality and a certain quality, mm-hmm. he tended to play comic roles and was great at those. Mm-hmm. But he and Randall are very, very similar in their technique. Yeah, uh, and they're really actors first and foremost, Absolutely. and then it, it comes out funny because they're just funny. And yeah, you know, Gene Wilder's told that story several times. I can't remember what show it was. I want to say he was doing Mother Courage, and he was getting laughs and did not expect them. And I think <laughs> Mel Brooks or someone was in the audience. And That's he, right. Why was why why was I getting laughs? And Bancroft funny. was in that. It was at Lincoln Center, yes. I think, in mm-hmm. the sixties, mm-hmm. and uh, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he didn't think he was, he didn't know he was funny in that way, I guess, which is odd to me. But that, that level of commitment is going to be funny, I think, inherently. Yeah, he, well, he just, had, and he just had a certain quality that Red is funny. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, yeah, those guys, it's just, and it's timeless. Like, they're great performances. Like, you could look at the Rock and Doris Day pictures. They're very much of their time, mm-hmm. and, you know. <laughs> the sexual politics is very early 60s yeah. and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, but like, uh, and Rock Hudson is Rock Hudson, and Doris Day does her Doris Day thing, and they're both fine. Sure. But Randall comes in and just wipes the floor with everybody. Right. Uh, and uh, just jumps off the screen, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his acting hasn't dated a second, yeah. not a second since the day he shot it. Yeah. Just as a as a performance, as a piece of acting, as a piece of comedy performing, it's just. It like could have been shot yesterday. Is it because he played a certain type of role? Do you think that he's become that people treat him like just a pop culture reference, and that's one of the reasons he's yeah. Well, like a lot of actors, he had a persona, which he does. You know, he's not known. It's like he's not known for tremendous range, mm-hmm. but that's not a limiting thing. It's just that he always has that sort of Tony Randall quality in everything. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, I think it's just a thing of comedy actors just being thought of as not as serious or something mm-hmm. whereas it's just as technically if not more technically difficult yeah but yeah, there's more math to it at least inside the head you know yeah. well it, it is it's like because you're a great comedy actor is sort of they're showing you something mm-hmm. and they are commenting on it right. but they're also inside it and they have to be real with it mm-hmm. uh and those are the best performances like if it's too and some actors aren't that good at comedy. For sure. And some are really great at comedy, but they don't... It's like you said, they... Like Gene Wilder later realized he was good at comedy. Right. If, if that is indeed true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Could it just be self-deprecatory? Right, right. Oh, I didn't know I was being funny. I know. <laughs> Humble brag. Yeah, right. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> like, John Travolta, mm-hmm. who's a great actor, mm-hmm. and actually... If you look at Saturday Night Fever, that's mm-hmm. a richly comic performance. Mm-hmm. That John Travolta is a smart guy playing a dumb guy in that movie. Yeah. He's a very sophisticated actor playing this very unsophisticated young man. Sure. And he's showing you that young man's unsophistication mm-hmm. often hilariously. Like yeah. there's lots of really funny moments in that movie and it's all about him mm-hmm. playing this dumb uh, yeah. Brooklyn guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh also, he's doing a dialect in that, which people don't don't even remember. Like, John Travolta doesn't have that voice. Right. He has this kind of Jersey drawl. Travolta yeah. sort of has a Springsteen accent. There's this weird yeah. drawl. But he's doing this, you know, he's like doing a Barbarino thing, you know. He's <laughs> doing, hey. Uh, so he's doing a dialect, which he doesn't get credit for, like your Meryl Streep. <laughs> so it's a dialect performance, first of all. Might as well be playing an English guy. A guy from Jersey playing a Brooklyn guy. I mean, I'm from the East Coast. Those are very different dialects. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a hilarious performance. But then, like, I remember he hosted SNL a few years ago, uh-huh. and he just wasn't funny. It yeah. was like, yeah. and I say this, I really respect him as an actor. Sure. But it was like he was kind of trying to be funny, yeah. and that was it. It was general, yeah. and so it just wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Whereas the reason he's so funny in many films, like Saturday Night Fever, is because it's not ostensibly a comedy. He's yeah. just playing the scenes 
but he's aware that there's humor to these moments, and so he's just playing these moments, and so he's hilarious. Um, and then I think there are probably examples, too, of like great comedians sort of playing it straighter, but not being as... Like, they somehow miss it what made... In a sense, like, there's no difference between comedy and tragedy or, you know, in mm-hmm. acting. It's mm-hmm. just context. It's just do the same thing, sure. and the context will make the comedy or the drama resonate. Mm-hmm. And girls today in society go for classical poetry. So to win their hearts, one must quote with these Aeschylus and Euripides. But the poet of them all who will start and simply raven is the poet people call the, the Bard of Stratford on Avon. Brush up your Shakespeare, start quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare, and the women you will wow. Just a claim of new lines from Odella, and they'll think you're a hell of a fella. If your blonde won't respond when you flatter her, tell her what Tony told Cleopatra. If she fights when her clothes you are mussing, what are clothes much ado about nothing? Brush up your Shakespeare, and they'll all kowtow. Randall just approaches a role the way he would probably approach a dramatic role, but he tends not to play dramatic roles. Right. <clears throat> Though he does, there's a, there's a, occasionally he does. There's actually a really, a relatively obscure but really great movie uh, directed by Martin Ritt, I believe, from the late '50s called No Down Payment. Okay. And it's a black and white movie about post World War II suburbanites. Interesting. Sort of, basically World War II era thirty somethings mm-hmm. in '50s America. Uh, who are living in the suburbs, and it's just a boiling cauldron of regret, bitterness, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> unfaithfulness, uh, uh-huh. drunkenness. Jesus God. Uh, uh, you know, all those, you know, the classic, sure. you know, Cheever-esque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and Randall plays this kind of drunk suburban dude. And it's really great. And his sort of comedic intensity mm-hmm. put into an alcoholic, yeah, yeah, like a thirty-something suburban guy, yeah. and it's not played for laughs. Is right. and it he totally lands it. It's great huh. because it's the, and it's the same vocabulary. It's just a different set of given circumstances, a different environment. Yeah, and he's great. That's a really <clears throat> great movie. Um, uh, Joanne Woodward. Is in that mm. and uh, Pat Hingle, you know, from the uh-huh. late, you know, from the Batman movies from yeah. years ago, uh, and it's really, really good. Um, I recommend that film. Do but you, yeah, that's him in a rare, like, dramatic turn. That's kind of awesome. Which didn't happen that often. Um, do you think people concentrate too much on uh, the darkness that's inside of comedic minds or comedic <laughs> actors? I mean, it's yeah. there's there's something. There's something more to a man who I think can pull out 
like you're talking about, a very intense... Like, playing an alcoholic as opposed to playing a, a classic drunk, two very different things. Oh, yeah, totally. You're pulling out something else. Besides, it's, it's, it's too simple to say they had a shitty childhood or somebody didn't love them enough, somebody loved them too much. And some and actors had shitty childhoods and had very nice childhoods. Exactly. I, uh, what Charlie Chaplin was... Oh, God. Had this Dickensian... <laughs> Had like a, his parents were like I'm still reading his drunk and or crazy, and he oh he God. he was dirt poor, and he like, and then you know, Meryl Streep was like a nice suburban girl from New Jersey, yeah. who just and they're both brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just wonder. It's like it doesn't make you any better if you're mm -hmm. this or that. It's just whatever. It's just something inside you that makes you want to do that, and it's about wanting to say something. Really, that's yeah. what any great artist does. Mm -hmm. They want. They have something to say. So, so Tony Randall has something to say in these performances about the human condition, about something he's feeling. It it, it comes out, you know, it's a, in a comedy or in a drama, and and. And I don't think you can play Felix without having a little pit of rage inside you. Anyway, he's that. I mean, he's got to be specific. Someone else was talking about this, like a comedian, like even stand-ups, like if it's. If it's about something, if they have something to say, chances are it's going to be funny. Yeah. If it's just, oh, this is what I think people will think is funny, yeah. then it's going to be general and it's not going to be as funny. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I, you know, the man of the moment, Louis C.K., sure. he has feelings about stuff. Mm -hmm. He's trying to communicate something. Yeah. And then maybe a lesser comic is just, you know, there are these cliches in the olden day, you know, mother-in-law jokes or whatever. It's like, this is just, and then today we have our version of those jokes, mm -hmm. whatever they are. And it's like, oh, well, this is taken to be funny. Right, right. So I will do this. And that's the difference is like, <laughs> it's just got to be specific and personal and then it will land. Yeah. I guess it's a difference between wanting to say things and, like you said, having something to say. You know, just wanting to say something is easy. You can go steal somebody else's Well, it's, it's like something. wanting to say something just because you want to have people pay attention to you. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a part of what drives performers sure. is, you know, the attention. But I think that's the dynamic is like that uh, it's just about trying to communicate something. And that's with any artist, you know, a visual artist, musician. Uh, you know, what are you trying to say? Uh, that's the question. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How long did the original, did, did the Odd Couple show run? Do you recall? I don't know, we could look it up. Yeah, by, well, that album is from 73. Okay. But I think it probably started around 68, 69. I know the Broadway play was like mid-60s. The movie, which is great, with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, yeah. Very different, Felix and Oscar, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is from, I think, 67 or yeah, so? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, this is 70 to 75. I thought it ran longer for some reason, but I no, guess... I, yeah, it's actually... It's, it's such a staple of... Going off of... But, yeah, the movie is great. Also, mm -hmm. uh, there's a guy... There's a guy I would include... Um, well, both of them, really, but especially Walter Matthau. Mm -hmm. A truly great actor who was a comic actor primarily. Right. But he is nuts in just his like his performance in the Odd Couple movie is 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 amazing. Yeah. And just it just he just he's a guy who comes in and just totally owns whatever role he's playing. For sure. He just owns it. And he's 
really spontaneous. He makes these really weird choices sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like strange. But like he does a thing where his his Oscar like goofs around mm-hmm. in a specific way. So, you know, he'll do this weird... He also, like, he's got this this, this kind of n- weird New York thing that certain, like, Brooklyn or Lower East Side New York guys do mm-hmm. where there's a sort of weird New York sibilance thing uh-huh. where, you know, sometimes, you know, you know like certain mm-hmm. Jewish guys from a certain generation from New York say, uh-huh. you know, there's this kind of a thing where it also comes out a little effeminate. It's not. Right. It's just something about... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a weird dialect. Yeah. And he'll sometimes he'll divorce broken sloppy, you know, he'll do this <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, which yes. is this this sort of weird area of like a certain New York dialect mm-hmm. that kind of has this weird urban refinement. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and it's just this but he'll just stick in these weird little peculiar vocal things. Mm-hmm. But, and they just totally work, you yeah. know, and yet they're really idiosyncratic, yeah. and, and just everything about his presence, it's just, he he doesn't look like a guy who should be in the movies. Right. Doesn't look like he should be an actor. Right. And yet he, everything about him is, that is what I am, and yes, I have something to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's it's so, I mean, I, I think it's easy with, with an actor like him to sort of, I, I guess he wasn't really typecast but it's so easy because it's so good to want to typecast the man because you assume that's who he is i suppose you assume that he's that kind of a guy if you're not high thinking enough to 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 realize he's not a great actor that you could assume that yeah they just cast this they cast a slob they didn't cast an actor you know obviously that's not the case but right he's just he's much i mean he's much more uh i mean it lands as a like i preferred I think I like um, <laughs> I think I like Walter Matthau's Oscar the best, but I, I do love Tony Randall's Felix. Uh-huh. Although Jack Lemmon is great too, and he uh, and all the supporting guys in that all yeah. those old I mean that's just I just love all those old character guys. John Fiedler, like you know the guy with the high voice, yep. that guy, yep. and uh, all those okay. Herb Edelman <laughs> mm-hmm. God, <it's> <laughs> playing Murray the cop in mm-hmm. the movie. As opposed to Al Molinaro, who played him in the TV show, mm-hmm. uh, I just and that's that is one of the f- great Neil Simon uh, scripts. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give you a chance to. Oh, you want to hear the f- uh, fake lyrics to the Odd Couple that a friend of a friend of mine wrote? Yes, I do. Uh, it's my friend Bob Kukuz did this for me, although someone he knew wrote it, and I forget who that was, but okay. it goes like this. You take a messy guy, and you put him with a neat guy. Dun, 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 dun. You take a messy guy, and you put him with a neat guy. Dun, ba, dun, ba, dun, ba, dun, ba. Crazy complications. <laughs> Wacky situations, a messy guy, a neat guy, the odd couple. That's that's the best part. <laughs> I think I, I think it should be wacky situations first and crazy complications next. But yes, still the odd couple. That's amazing. Applause, applause. We 
feet like a boss because it means when it is striking us, the audience is liking us for work. Demands, you don't sit on your hands, and if the hands remember, then we live, we thrive, you keep us all alive with Bravo, Bravissimo. We're dead if it's pianissimo, but work is work. This work we never shirk In the happy land of tinsel and gold Because We like applause Whether you're a Swiss bell ringer Or a crooner Or a singer A monologist, ventriloquist Or what? Or a dog act Or a magician Or a musical saw musician Or an ingenue Or pianist who is hot whether you play Punchinello, Little Eva, or Othello, having heard the call you've given, all you've got. Now, the film actually has, that's a great uh, tune, mm-hmm. and the movie has, uh, on the soundtrack to the movie, they have, it's not in the film, but on the soundtrack, they, there's one of those terrible period group choruses oh, singing a couple lyrics, uh-huh. which my understanding is, back in the day, like, if a, a producer... Uh, uh, of a film uh, wanted to make some extra money, he mm-hmm. would d- quickly write some dumb lyrics for the theme. Oh my God! And then register that with whatever yeah. ASCAP, and then he would get you know l- l- lyrics by. That's amazing. So there are really, um, I believe, uh, I think the theme is written by Julie Stein. Okay. Who's a famous Broadway mm-hmm. composer? I'm not totally sure, but there are lyrics. And I've heard this on the album, uh, not this album that we're talking about, of course, the, uh-huh. the soundtrack to the movie, The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. And you hear a chorus go, it's something like, To everyone they meet, they are known as the couple. Which, don't even start to break down why that doesn't work. <laughs> they're known as the couple. Well, no, the show is called The Odd Couple. Uh-huh. So, in fact, they're... They're not supposed to be known as a couple. Right. They're actually unlikely roommates who are... Anyway, forget it. That's a, oh, my God. Dreadful. That's, just, that's the worst. <laughs> that's horrible. Yum-pa-num-pa-num-pa-num. Is there... I, I feel like... Um, <laughs> there, are two, there, there are guys like Tony Randall who, like, like you say, brilliant but underappreciated. And the word character actor gets applied to them. Um people i don't know there there's there seems to be a lack of appreciation even though the man was a leading actor i think just not a, i certainly he's appreciated and yeah. uh, uh but i think it's just a thing of not thinking of people like him as great actors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the way we talk about other actors but i think the reason people love character actors so much though is that they do resonate in these quote-unquote small parts you know, and I and I wonder oh, why yeah. then why why they would go unappreciated so much, and I don't know. Well, I think I, it's I, specifically an actor like Tony Randall who's really only associated with comedy, yeah, and with a couple exceptions like that movie mm-hmm. uh, that I mentioned, uh, really is just known for comedy, and so people who are only known for comedy are just not thought of in the same way that you think about, you know, like I said, Marlon Brando and. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like that. I don't know what we're missing though to get a few comedy nods in the Oscars again. It's not ha- you know. I mean, Matthew yeah. Hahn was nominated <laughs> for Blazing Saddles. Oh yeah, back the in the day, Annie Hall's big deal when Annie Hall yeah. uh, won Best Picture. Yeah, 
and producers won best screenplay. That was Mel Brooks' first screenplay. Oh, right, son of a right. bitch. You know, that's that's it's a great that's, screenplay. It is a great he screenplay. I just goddamn. I fell on my keys. <laughs> oh my. Um, but let's um, let let's wrap it up a little bit. Uh, did I, I wait? Actually, did I ask you in the last podcast if you ever made any friends over comedy? I think we probably did go over that. If you ever made any friends like listening to comedy albums or any or watching something specific or loving an actor or this or that. You mean when I was younger? Mm-hmm. You mean bonding over like yeah. a comedy thing? Yeah. Uh I'm sure I did. I mean what I remember is just friends I had uh us sort of bonding over things that existed. Like I remember like I remember the kid in grammar school who first told me about Monty Python. Mm-hmm. I remember going to my friend's house and listening to these albums. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I think I, I might have mentioned this on the other podcast. I remember once being in high school and seeing a, a boy I didn't know wearing a t-shirt that he had made at the mall, you know, where mm-hmm. he put letters on and it said Ruddles. Oh, yes, yes. And yes. that was like, whoa, you know about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that those are the kind of bondings that I remember. Yeah. And I got to say, like, now as a grown-up, um, <laughs> in New York, where I lived for almost 20 years, I was very much part of the sort of theater scene and, to a degree, the independent film scene, mm-hmm. but not so much the comedy scene. Like, yeah. there was a little overlap. But here, I'm just... So many people I know are part of, like, the L.A. comedy scene. Yeah. And I've really kind of fallen in with... And I've made many friends here who are part of that scene who mm-hmm. are but that's you know like people who are creating it yeah not just listening you know making it and right that's been really fun and then to sort of just you know to also then do things with you know to to these people you mm-hmm. know do thrilling adventure hour with paul and all those people and yeah do super ego and just you know i've i've done various things at ucb and mm-hmm. and uh that's that's much more that's, a, that's just a very vital part of the performance scene here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and specifically comedy. As opposed to New York, it's there's still a very big theater scene, which is different than yeah. comedy per se, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a great thing, is just being here and kind of being a part of it. And there really does seem to be, you know, in the last... There, there is just a kind of... Ex, it seems like an exciting time to be here. There really is a very yeah. vital thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that's really fun to just you know be uh, you know I'm not a comedian per se but I I'm friends with a lot of these people and I just to be sort of part of that group and here is fun uh, but yes I'm first and foremost an actor and I love actors and I just that's the thing it's just like I, I I hold Tony Randall in as high esteem as I do my acting heroes like Alec Guinness and Charles Lawton and mm-hmm. any of those great people because uh, he's just as good he's a, you know he's <laughs> working in a certain area sure. singing when banana peels are falling I'll be coming back to you <laughs> I mean you know it's Come on. beautiful. It, it is beautiful <laughs> in, in its own way. I, I love it. it. So I guess we've 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 said it, but why would you to somebody who's never heard this before? Oh, it's just uh, part of it is sort of very much a kind of comedy album of its time, mm-hmm. which has its own charm. Mm-hmm. I think the most thing, yeah, the 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 biggest thing for me is just the uh, the real sense of uh, 
enjoyment that the two of them have on the record. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's just very charming. And and there are some uh, great old songs. I mean, they've got like two or three Cole Porter songs. You can't go wrong. Yeah. With Cole Porter, my young friends. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention and obviously coming over and talking about it. Oh, thank you. Uh, what else should we plug, though? Oh, what should we plug? Twitter, um, websites. Yeah, I don't podcasts. know. At James Urbaniak on the Twitter. And uh, check out the podcast, Getting On with James Urbaniak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be on CBS's procedural uh, courtroom show, The Good Wife, I think in early October, playing awesome. a judge. Really? Yes, I will have order. Warmer outbursts like that, counselor, and I will clear this court. If you want to see me say stuff like that, awesome. Tune in. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I, I, I. Now that I'm uh, in my middle age, I'm. I'm getting into the authority figure stage of my mm-hmm. career, which I'm actually enjoying. I bet. Do you get to adopt a voice for that character, or is it most? <laughs> what I see. What are you doing in my court? No, I just kind of talk like myself. Yeah. Do they? Do you? In get- fact, it is Ren Randallian. It's mm-hmm. a bit of because he's he's supposed to be kind of a a bit of an upper class twit. Okay. Okay. Which is a sort of area that Tony would play into. Sure. Oh, well, he's a bit of a snob. Okay. This is Tony Randall's characters tend to be a little snobby. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and I do I do often uh, think what would Randall do? W W R D. I've thought that a lot. Yeah. Often on the Venture Brothers, actually, we have a term where uh, Jackson Public will say to me, "Randalize it, <laughs> Dean." You know, yes. it's just. Do they? Do you ever? I mean, do you get an opportunity? I'm sorry, I, I don't want to keep you forever. No, no, no. Do you get an opportunity when you're doing non-voiceover stuff to get to play with your voice as much? I mean, as Crumb, sure, you got to do that, but it depends. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I just did a. Uh, yeah, I mean, occasionally, if it's if it's really seems to suit the character, mm-hmm. I just did a uh, there's a a, a wonderful uh, writer uh, illustrator named Hope Larson, mm-hmm. and she uh, just made her first short film, uh-huh. and uh, it's called Bitter Orange, and uh, it's gonna, I think she's gonna post it online. I think mm-hmm. it's just gonna be online, so look for that. But I, uh, it's a story that takes place in the twenties, and I play a gangster. Awesome. I play like a bootlegger. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, well, I probably don't want to just sound like James Urbaniac. Uh-huh. So I do do a little bit of an East Coast, you know, just a little suggestion of a kind of, awesome. you know, a little of this thing. That's good. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> There's no blo- alcohol today. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if, if it, the part of that, yeah, Krami, he had such a specific vocal quality that you kind of had to imitate it slash suggested you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. that very internal kind of thing that he had you know <laughs> but uh, yeah usually i get cast and when they just want me to kind of sound like me yeah i mean i tend to play like ostensibly educated guys with glasses mm-hmm. even though i'm a community college dropout but i i come off as educated so <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just a jersey shore rat i'm just one of those guys i'm the situation <laughs> oh my god yeah but i get cast in these roles oh god I would love to see Jersey Shore recap. I'm the I'm the incident. That's my <laughs> the incident with you and Paul F. Tompkins, who's from New Jersey at least. He's from he's a Philly boy. Yeah. yeah. So, but we both kind of dress up and act uh, mm-hmm. refined That's in good. a way. So we're basically going to see Paulie D in the situation. That's right. Cover well, me and Paul should play couple. two working class uh, dipshits. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you, Jason. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and as always, have a good thing.
on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. Picking blueberries, that's when I feel blue for you. When I'm picking those onions, that's the only time I cry for you. But when banana skins are falling, I'll come sliding back to you. When I'm picking tomatoes, that's when I catch up to you. When I'm picking sweet corn, dear, I know you're so sweet and true. When I'm picking hot peppers, then my heart just burns with love for you. But when banana skins are falling, I'll come sliding back to you. Fly!